Hello everyone and welcome back to the Between Realities VR podcast. Mm. I left you guys in suspense there for a minute. But yeah, yeah, I was like, did Alex forget what we're doing? I forgot the name <laughs> of our show. I forgot this. I forgot it all. I know uh, that's not true. No, it's it's really not. It's but you know, there's a lot of pressure, man, when you're up here on the big stage. Right. You know, there's a lot mm. of pressure to get things right. So every now and then, you know, even folks like me succumb to it. You know, and I know it's yep. hard to believe everybody, right. but it is the it is the reality of even the Alex VR, yep. <laughs> but barely. Okay, yes. Well, let's establish that it's a rare occurrence. <laughs> anyway, hey everybody, welcome to the Between Realities VR podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here with us um, to witness to bear witness to another fantastic uh, episode where we are going to dive in and uh, talk a lot about virtual reality, all of our shared passions, and uh, whatever else happens to pop up during the conversation. My name's mm -hmm. Alex VR, right? Skiva already said that, and I've already said Skiva is Skiva. So, hey, I Skiva. am. How's it going, dude? Pretty good. Heck yeah. Pretty good. It's um, it's a pretty intense time right now. You know, a lot of people yes. are getting their MetaQuest Pros. Yes. Like, it's happening. Like, yep. Everybody's got their hands on them. It's yep. out. And yep. um, it's probably a good time to mention this is a pre-recorded episode, right? Yes. We're not live today. Yes. Um, and, you know, that's just that's just been our year. It has been. And, and there will be a few more of these, especially in November, because November is a nutty month for us. Yep. Like I'll be in four states and two countries. Yep. You know, it's crazy. So, yeah. In one month. And you're going to be all over the damn place. Yeah. Like, so we got to do what we got to do. But we are, uh, you know, we're doing it for the good of virtual reality. So. That we are. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's just like, I feel like when you do a weekly podcast, it should just mm -hmm. be coming out every week, no matter what. You Absolutely. Know? So sometimes so you pre-record. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And here we are. Yep. So uh, maybe you're here watching the premiere with us on, on YouTube right now. And that's great. That's definitely our favorite place to see the show. Uh, maybe you're catching this after the fact over on UploadVR.com. Because guess what? We are UploadVR correspondents here at Between Realities. That's right. We jumped into bed with Upload, and so far we're having a good time. Mm -hmm. um, so that's really awesome that you're seeing us on Upload, and you're welcome to stay right there and just enjoy um, being enjoy. there enjoy. <laughs> on Upload VR. <laughs> uh, or maybe you're watching this or listening to this, um, on, the audio, yeah. right? Like, where, yeah. where, do you, where do you host all of this, Steve? So Anchor is the main platform, which you can also do see video on there as well, or just audio. But we're also on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, pretty much anywhere you can get a podcast that uh, people know about. We should be there. And if not, if we're missing somewhere, let us know. And uh, maybe we'll go over there. All right. Man, I guess we kind of uh, are starting to establish a little bit of like a beginning of the show cadence so to speak yeah years later yeah i know right <laughs> it's like okay you know like a lot of times people have this like scripted you know like when yeah. you stuff with gt like you yeah. know you watch the gt stuff he like well not anymore not with the crew cast right but the old crew cast he yes. had like a whole thing yeah. whole spiel seb yeah with how him. do you script like seven or eight people right yeah so impossible yeah, yeah. He, he now he just goes yeah. live without yeah. telling anybody yeah. and go if you don't know what we're talking about there's a podcast called the the vr crew cast hosted by gamertag vr but there are like eight Eight plus of yeah, us. I think eight of us. Me and Alex are there, and Wes and Roots from Virtual Strangers, and Eric Masher from QTC VR Gamer, and sadly it's Bradley, and um, Beardo Benjo, Beardo Benjo, and sometimes Jose. Yeah. Uh, he's going to be a regular Jose uh, from from Reboot Imagine, and like it's, it's a whole squad of people, and we just go on there and and just from F Reality yeah. Podcast, by the way. So oh, yes. shout out to Jose mm -hmm. and Adam Bombadi for being yes. the new uh, new, I guess, anchors or hosts, co-hosts yeah, co of the F Reality Podcast. Pretty cool to see. It is good um, stuff. 
Yep. So, you know, if this is your first time over here on Between Realities, let me break it down for you. We have guests on this show, all right? We always do uh, an episode, and we always have a guest. That's we do. two things that you can you can guarantee. Almost always. Usually premieres will be just us. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, season premieres. We didn't even do... Did we do one this season? I don't even know. I don't know. <laughs> I will, oh, we did, but we had... Um, we oh, had, Quicksilver came Yes. In. Yeah, we had Quick Cosplay come in, and she was actually sitting here in the studio with us because she was rolling through town, so that was That, that was, was a fun. unique mm-hmm. and fun thing. It was. I hope we can yeah. do more of that in the future. Yeah, me too. That'd we be great. We yep. another soundboard thing. With more inputs. Yes, with more inputs. <laughs> oh, good time to mention uh, Patreon and channel memberships. Yes. <laughs> Please, <laughs> help us. <laughs> All right. So uh, today's today's guest, we're not gonna we're not gonna keep her waiting in the wings any longer. Um, this is a lovely lady who we met at AWE. I believe it was AWE at AWE, mm-hmm. um, and uh, got to chatting and realized that she is doing a lot of work on the side of. Um, inclusivity and making sure that uh, VR and AR applications are accessible to people and doing everything that she can to empower women in the space. And she's just like an advocate for advocacy. She's doing a lot. So um, let's bring her on to talk about it. Please welcome to Between Realities, Ashley Coffee. Hello. Hello. Hello, Thank Ashley. you for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for being here. Yeah, Mrs. we're excited Coffee. to have you. It is Heck a pleasure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Y'all Good are stuff. amazing. I it was it feels like yesterday we were in California. It does. That was super fun, and I cannot wait, honestly, for that expo again. Like if I really like think in the future, because we're about to start expo season again, right? We're just finishing up this year's, and then it starts very early in January with CES, which is going to be dope. But the for me, the best VR expo there is is AWE, and I really enjoyed it. And I'm stoked to go back again. We talk about it mm-hmm. often, how yeah. AWE was like the highlight of all of our yep. travels in this past year. And uh, it's probably going to hold true for the remainder of the year. Um, what were your, what, were, what are your feelings on that, Ashley? Yeah, it was amazing. Absolutely magical. And um, also, I might see you at CES, actually. So um, keeping my fingers crossed on that one, um, they'll be there for, I'll be there on behalf of my job um but yeah awe i felt was really good i'm actually working with sonia um she is one of the head of programming we're working on integrating like a social good track um because last year whenever we were kind of looking through like the development track and we wanted to make sure like the information gets to the audience that needs to hear it the most so trying to shift the way the tracks are focused to have more of an emphasis on like the social good within the space. Because I think there's a lot of, of good things happening that developers and designers don't really know that's happened. And what a perfect world for all of it to kind of intersect. So um, I'm so excited for next year. Wow, that's great. Um, Super cool. Yeah, that is awesome. And, you know, we know Hasco very well. Yep. Um, you know, she's obviously been uh, a champion in the space for years now, and it's yep. cool to here that you are collaborating with her on on like was so this is awe programming that you're talking about then yes yeah yeah she's amazing and she just like knocked it out of the park last year yeah she Um, did so i mean this year so much fun like such a great diverse like group of people um and of course we got to connect which was incredible Um, it was really well done it was a really good way to integrate back into conferences after being away for two years like I think we've all kind of gotten over our like dipping our feet back into what does conference behavior look like? And mm-hmm. uh, AWE was like, okay, we're back. We're, let's let's connect. Let's have fun. Let's get back to some type of normalcy. 
there's no like normal anymore it's just like creating our own journey but yeah i'm excited yeah it was really good and you know i i have to say one of my favorite moments out at aww was actually meeting you because i had been like you know we we have guests on our show all the time right and i think i stumbled across your twitter or something and you know because anybody who's got like a quest you know they're peering from underneath the headset on their profile picture you're like okay that's a friend of mine right there so I like came across your profile and I saw that you did your own podcast called Coffee and Code. Um, and it was like, okay, she's a podcaster. She's in VR. Like this is someone who I should have on my radar. And I think I saw that you were going to AWE and I was like, oh, well, I'm there. I hope I bump into Ashley Coffee. But I had only really seen like your profile picture, you know, like, I mean, we never had a video chat or anything like that. And, you know, people are their profile pictures, but a profile picture mm -hmm. kind of takes on a, like a life of its own. You know, it's like only when you it meet does, that person it? that yeah. you're able to like connect that image to a person. So I didn't really know what you looked like, you know, and I'm just like looking around. I'm like, okay, maybe she's here. Maybe she's not. I don't know. And we got to talking um, at the TikTok after party out back, which was sick, which was really intense. And there was so many people. There was there. so many people. It was like swimming through so a sea awesome. of people to get a drink. It was <laughs> swimming through a sea of VR and XR people. That <laughs> was up. killer. Straight up. I was like, I need to know everyone here. It's impossible. How am I going to do this? Straight up. <laughs> but the reason totally. why we got to well, talking. People were having meetings day in to day out. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. We, who we bumped into outside, which ultimately led us to us meeting, is Mr. Dylan Fox, who we actually had on the first season of Between Realities. He was, I think, our second guest. He was, I think, our second guest, but he may have been the very first person we ever asked to be on the show. That is is probably true yeah yeah we met him at uh, in san francisco like at an VRX. expo called vrx mm -hmm. yeah 2019 i think that, that was is incredible and little side note dylan fox one is amazing too he has a very unique skill set of being able to integrate accessibility into user design inclusive design aspects especially in xr um so uh, he's on the market so if there are any companies that he's looking Ooh, for a job, um, I know I know it's a rare intersection, um, but wanted to put that out there because Dylan Dylan is amazing and we need more of him uh, wow. in the amazing. world. So I'm Someone, so glad that he was a part yeah. of your your show in the, in the first season. Yeah, he's we, awesome. What a good guy. He's, he's a great guy. He's super smart, uh, real free thinker, like is able to like grasp like uh, all kinds of interesting concepts. And uh, I really enjoy his company and I like, I like when I get to see him in real life. Right. Yeah. So that was, that was great. And yeah, he was like our first, we, we, we were talking to him we're like, yo, we're going to be starting the show and you'd be awesome to have and on. And it's there. hilarious because yeah. it was just at like the lunch table, you know, yeah. like we were just like mm -hmm. sitting at the lunch table eating food and he's there and like we're chatting and then he jumps in and we're like, Hey, you're kind of cool, dude. <laughs> you know, so totally. that happened. He yep. was on our show. Fast forward a couple years. We're at AWE. There's Dylan Fox. I'm like, yo, what's up, man? We get to chatting. And then he introduces me to you. And he's like, oh, by the way, this is Ashley Coffee. And like, I had like a mind blowing moment at that point because I was like w hoping I would bump into you, but didn't realize that I was standing next to you in that moment. And it was like, yo, okay. I know you already, you know, and it was like a really awesome little uh, moment and definitely one of my highlights. Same, same. I have that little like a memory clip in my mind of like, we were both looked at each other like, wait, you're Alex. Wait, Ashley Coffee oh. and Code. It was a moment. Yes, yeah, it was. It was great. <laughs> it was really cool. And it's wild. I, I love when world intersects like this because I've been working with Dylan for since like 2019. I've known him since 2019, but we work very closely with the XR Access Initiative. Um, we're on the core team there. So that that's 
part of why I was there uh, to, to get more of that message in the right place. Um, but yeah, I, I, we need more people that can kind of bridge that gap between those communities. Um, and he's one of those. Yeah. So before we dive into a little bit of that, like uh, XR uh, Access Imposium, if I don't remember the name exactly, you can correct me later. Um, let's learn a little bit about you. You know, like you've been in the space, in the tech space anyway, for a long time. Tell us a little bit about like your current job and, you know, maybe a little bit of a history, like how you've gotten to where you are. That's a great question. Thank you for asking. Um, I'll, I'll give a little bit of a, a synopsis as best as I can. I'm um, a subject matter expert on accessible emerging technologies for the Department of Labor. And I do that through a private consultancy called Wheelhouse Group, um, which provides me a bit more flexibility to do awesome things like this. So um, part of that is we support the Partnership on Employment and Accessible Technologies, which is a great initiative to making sure people with disabilities have equitable access to emerging tech. Um, the pandemic made it aware that hybrid work is here to stay. Um, but with VR really taking fire and um, taking shape in how people are onboarded or trained, there is a huge possibility for exclusion there. Um, so we're trying to like get in the forefront to make sure that accessibility is baked in, not thought of as, as an afterthought. Um, so that's what I do, but um, I also have a, a lot of different hats that I wear. Um, I'm very fortunate to, to be able to do the work that like fulfills me, but I also work in an advocacy circle um, promoting women in tech, making sure women in STEM have equitable pathways to um, careers in STEM, kind of help reducing some of those barriers. If you look at the data, it really sucks of uh, how many women are in tech. So I'm trying to uh, do what I can to, to make that change. Um, I have a podcast, as you mentioned, called Coffee and Code. That's just my for fun podcast because I love having awesome conversations with people like y'all. Um, and Alex, thank you for coming on my show. Uh, I've had great feedback. Of, Best of episode ever, right? Best episode ever. I know. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, let's see. I worked at Apple from like 2010 to 2016. That was a fun journey. Six years at um, Apple. Yeah. Wow, nice. It was when Steve Jobs was still alive too. Oh, and yes. I, yeah. Nice. Yeah, it was weird. I do remember like getting like the all employee emails like from him, which was like weird to think about, you know. Yeah. Um yeah. I was an emerging technologies librarian at the University of Oklahoma. And that was a really fun job. Um I got to like bridge the gap between students, faculty, staff, and like the public since it's a public university and helping them become comfortable with what is emerging tech, what is VR, how to stop calling them goggles. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Fighting the um, good fight. And, um, but really like just like unlocking that potential there. And that was a lot of fun. So I have a really broad you know, range of, of skills. I was a waitress at one point. I've worked in the, in the food industry. Um, I think it's such an essential thing to experience. I have nothing but respect for people in the food and, and beverage industry. You're just saying that because you know that I was a server before. That's the only reason why you're <laughs> saying all this right now, right? No. <laughs> well, I never, I can never mention it because it never really comes up in conversation. But like, those are my pathways to like where I got here. And like, those matter just as much as the Apple experiences Amen. and you know. Yeah. Amen. Wow. That's great. So, so like, 
I want to know more about like your VR moment, right? Like, mm. did you did you grow up being into tech? Like, did you play video games growing up? A lot of us became, were video gamers, became VR enthusiasts. You know, that was like our yeah. pathway. But how, like, wh what led up to your VR moment when you were like, okay, whoa, all right, wow, we're here now. I love that question. Thank you for asking. Yes, I was a gamer growing up. It was weird because I didn't have a lot of friends who were in my friend circle who also played games, who also were girls. So I remember having a Super Nintendo and Nintendo 64, um, playing some really interesting games. I don't know if anyone remembers, but there was a Barbie game for the original Nintendo. It was... That was amazing. Um, <laughs> I then... definitely don't remember that. Yeah. Skiva <laughs> wasn't really playing with Barbies uh, when the NES was out. I think I was done with Barbies by then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but also, like, Duck Hunt was a, a favorite as well. Absolutely. Right? Um, yeah. Mario. Um, but, like, really what started to, like, change the game for me is Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Hell yeah. That wow. just like, changed my world of like what's possible in gaming of just having these like random storylines. Side note, like I would do the missions, but I found more value and just like the side quests and just like hanging out, getting um, max wanted levels and seeing like if you can use a truck as a ramp to like style a really good exit. Like those are the <laughs> cool things. Yeah. Um, that was. Yeah. The beat. Yeah, that was super cool because it, it was like it was like that was the first one of the first times that I remember that we saw like a truly um, a truly like engaging and in, in, in deep like world, like a full world happening where where people were walking by There's conversations, there's people on the phone, there's people wa like working in the stores, right? Like things are happening all over the place. It's like a completely different existence, which is kind of what brings us into like into into the vr state of mind right so i feel like that was a very very um important series for video games and for just immersive tech and the concept of even like a an alternate reality or a, a metaverse in a way grand theft auto was the first metaverse you heard it here boom first. confirmed yep. <laughs> <laughs> i have to give credit where credit is due because the moment the unlock moment for me um, came courtesy of Chris Madsen from Engage VR. Um, if people in the community may know him, he is incredible. Um, when I was an emerging tech librarian, he gave us a um, introduction into Engage B VR before it kind of really got to where it is now. Um, we were looking at it for exploration on a university campus level. But um, if anyone has met Chris, you know how personable and present and engaged he is. I feel like he truly embodies himself in the virtual space almost exactly as he is in like real life. Even though I haven't met him, I feel like that blend is right there. But he get, put us through this experience and he showed us an Alan Watts 360 oh, video in yes. VR. There's an Alan Watts 360 video? How is it even possible? There was no 360 stuff when Alan Watts was alive. <laughs> no, it's like, it's a, um, it's a uh, graphical representation oh, um, with Alan Watts cool. speaking um, yes. with some audio um, as music oh, as well. Nice. Visual representations of geometric spaces that challenge the way that you perceive light and shape and form and time. Wow. Um, it's, it, it was one of those experiences that like challenged me to change the way that I like view and see VR. Like, okay, how do I experience this by laying down on the floor? Or how do I experience this? Like everyone's experiencing it like setting, right? But like 
can I get up and like put myself in a dark environment? Like what, how can I explore this in a different way? So that was the unlock moment where I was like, this has so much potential to like really just take us to the next wow. level. So, Did you have VR experiences yeah. before that moment? Like, had you like already played Beat Saber or something like that and then like got to there and that's when it like really clicked or was that kind of like one of your initial VR experiences? Oh no, it wasn't my first. I, I've done like Beat Saber and I was okay. like, okay, this is cool, you know, gamification, right? I saw a lot of the gamification aspects. And of course, Google Earth um, is one of like the really cool ones, but the unlock wasn't there yet until that moment. That was like what tapped into like my creative brain, I feel like. Nice. Well, I need to, I need to find that because I'm a huge fan Send of Alan Watts. Yes. That'd be awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's some between reality stuff right there. That is. Like <laughs> Alan Watts, like, you know, anything that's like talking about the nature of reality like and then being able to blend vr into that conversation like that is what we are all about yes. on this podcast you know hence the name right <laughs> good good because that was just such a profound moment um and and chris to this day i tell him that that moment has just stood out to me um so yeah 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 i'd love to hear y'all's oh okay mm. well uh what was your uh what was your unlock moment with the headset skiva Mine was mine was Dactyl Nightmare in the nineties. Yeah. Yeah. The virtuality old VR system with that, you know, CRT HMD that was like mounted to a thing to hold it up and like standing there in like a plastic circle with a with one gun and like it was the first time I had ever experienced like I was I was a little kid that was super into games and uh, you know, I mean I thought Mario Bros, like Super Mario Bros was like like wow look at how realistic that is there's colors like like control the guy and then i stepped into this thing and it, it melted my brain like my sister was like right next to me in a separate virtual uh virtuality um machine and my first vr session in the 90s was a multiplayer one and when i saw my sister represented as an avatar in virtual space and we were walking through these worlds together at a glorious 20 frames a second and i <laughs> and i shot her and she exploded um i was just i i was changed from that point on and then it was like almost an obsession of like uh you know like the lawnmower man and like all of the things kind of leading up to to vr as we know it today um, you know, and then getting a PSVR, um, and experiencing PSVR worlds and the little shark tank thing. And, um, and the London heist, the London heist sold me well, after doing the London heist on, you know, I was like, this is it. It's here now. It's here now. The London heist now is we get it. so awesome. Yeah. And I was like, this changes everything. I have to change my entire life yeah. based around this tech because there's nothing, uh, more immersive and amazing and, and that holds more potential. Uh, to so many different things dude to this day so. the london heist is an experience worth doing oh it is absolutely. so awesome it's absolutely. so awesome absolutely and do you know what we're talking about actually with the london heist no idea what you're talking about london heist no yeah, i'm writing it down right now it is it's it's a part of the initial playstation vr demo discs that went out it was called playstation vr worlds and there was like five well you had to buy vr worlds right because there was a demo disc and that wasn't on there, but there was VR Worlds, which had like four different little games on it, and you had to buy that. This, right? Yeah, this, and yeah. Um, and it's an insanely good like narrative, like like I don't know, heist, like bank robbing yep. kind of experience, where like you know you're getting interrogated by someone, and you're like strapped in a chair, and then you're in a car chase scene, and like there's multiple insanely good 
scenes and the thing lasts like, I don't know what, like maybe 15, 20, maybe 20 minutes, something like that. Uh, I would say it's a little longer than that. Maybe 30, I think, but it's 30, been, it's been 30, max. 30, probably about 30 minutes, 30 but max. it is an intense and amazing 30 minutes that brings you all over the place. Like you were saying from, from being strapped to a chair with some big brute dude screaming in your face yeah. to hanging outside of a car uh, with an Uzi. You know, like it, it's just absolutely, it blew my mind. Yeah. Like I, the scene that still out of all of those things, the scene that really is cemented in my brain is you're sitting at this table in this, in this restaurant, like, like, uh, about to have a meeting with one of the, the mafia bosses or whatever. And there's a cigar on the table and I picked up the cigar and I didn't think this was going to work, but I was kind of like role playing it out. Right. Cause this is an immersive experience. And I picked up the cigar and I put it in my mouth and I breathed in. I sucked in and then I blew out and smoke came out in the game. And I was like, oh my God. Me oh, too, bro. What? For real, I am right there with you. That is yeah. exactly my most memorable really? scene from whoa, it as well. Whoa, wow. Yeah. Wow. It's so good. And, and I'm pretty that. sure that the ember from from the, the thing even lights up. Yeah, as you yeah, yeah. So it's like it's fully, nuts. it's so yeah. good. Using the microphone is yeah. a part of the immersive. Like, wow. It just blew me away. Yeah. So oh. that was it. Yeah, and I'll try to. Make it's mine. ahead of its time. I feel like. Yeah, hundred percent for sure. A hundred percent. Yep. Way ahead of its time, and like I was just saying, still good to this day. If you, yep. if somebody's got a PlayStation VR laying around, it is worth the twenty to thirty minutes to jump in and do that. They, al they also followed it up with um, a full game called Blood and Truth, right? Yes. Um, which is cool, but it's still it's like not the magic it's that not. was captured nope. in London Heist. Like it's, it's so it's ridiculously good. It's so good. Um, yeah. What about you? So I'll I'll try to make mine short. Uh, but I, when, back when I had a Nintendo Wii, I got really into modding it and, um, I saw a YouTube video where someone had established some head tracking by like reverse engineering the Wiimote and the sensor bar. So they were able to move their head and when they were moving their head, the, there was like images on the TV that were shifting as if they were in three dimensional space. And it was really, a really convincing effect. And when I started to realize like what head tracking meant, it, like I realized that like when I play a first person shooter, um, your gun is for all intents and purposes attached to your chin. Mm -hmm. So if I want to like fire around a corner, for example, I have to like actually stick my head around the corner to pull the trigger and fire at somebody who's in a flat game yeah. in a flat game. Mm -hmm. But head tracking allows the head to move separately from the inputs, you know, so I could look in one direction and fire another or stick my hands around a corner and keep my head back. And like when I realized that that was a thing, that's when I started to pay attention to VR because I saw it coming, you know, and then I started mm -hmm. to see videos from Facebook and like Mark Zuckerberg sitting in like an office and I'm like, oh my God, like you're gonna be able to sit there and share space with people and talk. And it was a PlayStation VR demo um, that got me halfway there. I went to a Best Buy, it was set up. It was like, you know, the world's demos in there. I think it was the demos though, not actual worlds. Mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. went through a handful of them and loved it and then realized that something cool was happening bought some time at a VR arcade and forced them to put me into a multiplayer experience, which they were reluctant to do because the only multiplayer experience that they had was didn't really look that cool. And I mean, we have like this starship fighter game, like sure you don't want to do that. And I'm like, yes, put me in something multiplayer. And they did. And it was rec room. And when I loaded into rec room, a gift popped up in front of me and I like grabbed the tab and like pulled it across like in space and like saw the tab open up. And I was like, Whoa, okay that's insanely awesome you know what i'm thinking this must have been the first time i had controllers in my hands because oh. i don't think the playstation move uh, i don't think they had the moves 
for that PlayStation VR demo. Probably not. So mm-hmm. I'm like feeling this box open with the yep. haptics in my hand, and I was like, holy crap, that's amazing. And then some little girl runs up to me and goes for the high five. And it's when I high-fived her. And I felt it in my hand through the haptic vibration of the controller. And I realized I just high-fived someone across space and time. That was it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. We're here. Like, I'm, I'm making contact with someone. <laughs> you know, like, this is um, mind-blowing. And uh, yeah, that, that, was, that was the moment. It was Rec Room, the, the high-five. Wow. Yep. Rec Room, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Yes. Mm. It stood the test of time, I feel like. There's still the haptic design when you open the box. Yes. Of, like, it feels like you're actually opening it. Yeah, it feels Super good. satisfying. Yeah, it's so satisfying. Uh-huh. That zipper. It really is. Yep. Then something pops up and you grab yeah. it and slap it on your avatar. Start yeah. walking with it. It's like, it. wow, loot crates might actually become fun now. <laughs> I know. And for the record, <laughs> Rec Room has, they've really done a, a lot to yes. keep expanding on that platform and keep adding stuff. Recently, they've allowed people to, I think, bring in Unity assets, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, big deal. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Horizon's wow. about to start doing that too, yeah. where you can bring in Blender hey. and all kinds of assets from different 3D programs and like oh. everyone's stepping up their game and you got it right because there's platforms out there like Neos and while they aren't like in everyone's eye yet because they require high-end PC VR That's um, it. To, to do it, they see and they see mobile headsets getting faster and better and they better catch up before yeah. this stuff is accessible, you know, so. Well, like, and you know, deal. the MetaQuest Pro has mm-hmm. just come out, right? Like, yes. technically today, I think, right? Like, te- technically today, mm-hmm. but by Friday, it's been out for a few days. Yep. And that is, like, is this a headset that's more capable? Like, I mean, I guess I should probably know the answer to this, but like... It is more capable, but it it's... it run something like Neo? So you know, we're still, no, we're still no, a couple no. generations away we're, from we're, st- we're still a little bit further out because... Technically, if you unlock this chip and you put this chip chip in a PC and you and you cooled it properly, yeah, it probably could. It's a very fast chip. But the problem with these chips is thermals, and and you're putting it on a very thin device directly right. on your face. Um, so they have to keep the heat down and they have to account for battery life um, and all of these different things. So so this you know where the chip is at right now um, because of the thermal situation. Um, Right. Yeah, probably not. So, okay. but we're gonna get there. Well, are you absolutely are you experiencing any FOMO right now with this Quest Pro? Me? Yeah. Are you I like am. watching people open it and be like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, I wish I had one here. <laughs> I am. I definitely am because I want all the newest headsets and I want to. I want to be in the know. Like, right. I want all of the information from experience. Right. So definitely, there's a lot of things about it that make me not so FOMO. Right. For example. Uh, the reason I think that I still use my index as my as my Valve index as a primary daily driver is because of the frame rate. Because that 144 mm-hmm. frames a second that I get that lo- makes everything look so buttery smooth that it brings a level of realism to VR that no other headset's been able to touch for me. Even though the resolution's lower, that frame rate is killer. Yeah, the Quest Pro only does 72 frames right now, and that what? to me. Is like okay nah. right, right now though right it, like, it's supposed to go up to ninety eventually with software just like the Quest Two went from seventy two to ninety to one hundred and twenty twenty and I don't know that one hundred and twenty is in the cards though uh, I've never heard them talk about it this is a you know these are new OLED displays uh, multiple displays as opposed to the one display in, in the Quest Two so I don't know that if these pa- the panels can or can't do a refresh mm-hmm. rate like that but either way um, that's an important thing to me. So it makes me not so FOMO. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Plus my index, I have 
pretty good color pass through. So I feel like I have mm. some of that, even though it's not, there's no like real mixed yeah, reality stuff for it. at all. Right. But you can see your room. Right. I just click, double click a button and then all of a sudden I can see everything. I can right. grab a drink. I can like grab my phone real quick yeah. or, or whatever I need. But yeah, that thin light headset that is, you're able in, in the controllers. You don't, yeah. The controllers. I know. That's, mm. I want to ask Ashley, are you mm. eyeballing the Quest Pro at all? Like, do you wish you had one? Do you think you might get one? What do you think? I think it Meta's is Meta's response to being a competitor of the HoloLens and really strategically placing themselves in front of like the contracts in terms of like government enterprise, right? You know, they're really focused on rolling that out. And I think it's really strategic that they've launched a pro version headset. However, I, I aside from like the, the cool technology there, I think a really important question that we need to be asking ourselves here is the collection of eye tracking data. Oh, yeah. Um, and yes, because yeah. it's no coincidence that one of the biggest companies has deployed a consumer friendly headset. Um, and think of all the data points you can get from, I mean, I think I saw a percentage. It was like, you get seven from a marketing perspective, you get 700% more data points from a VR HMD than you can from like a heat map on a 2D website. That is gold for, for marketers, right? And so that, I imagine that's probably I, even without eye tracking. It's just mm -hmm. like head and hand movement. Without eye tracking, they can identify you within seconds, a positive ID from your movements alone. It's insane. But mm -hmm. and that, and that also opens up so much like opportunity for bias and just like, real bad things to happen, um, un un unintentional disability disclosure, right? Um, unintentional disclosure of like many things. So, I mean, I, I guess privacy is, a, is an illusion these days, but honestly, that's a good way of putting it unintentional disclosure, because there is so much information that will be unintentionally disclosed if they're gathering that, that data, like mm -hmm. they like, like I've, we've said so many times on the show before eye tracking data alone, I think is enough for a company to know you better than you know yourself. Absolutely. Because they'll, they'll oh, see yeah. the subtle clues. They'll see your eye flicker when you see something you like, and they'll be like, Ooh, that, yeah, yeah we you saw that even, eye flicker. And you don't even realize you're looking at something repetitively, repetitively, and maybe, uh, maybe that's something that interests you and you haven't put two and two together yet. Right. Right. And, and then, and then it takes a little bit to stew over something and then you figure it out, but the algorithm and the data is going to tell that story very, very quickly. And, and mm -hmm. I guess the main question is, is that good for me? as a user, you know, because like I love candy and, and hot fudge Sundays, you know, and I, I guarantee I'm going to light up if you slide a hot fudge Sunday in front of me every moment, but that doesn't mean I should be consuming hot fudge Sundays at every moment where I'm not eating something else, you know, and that's the kind of the path that I can see them going. It's like, Oh, this guy likes hot fudge Sundays. Let's slide them in baby. And they just keep sliding me hot fudge Sundays. And eventually I become this huge orb filled with ice cream you know mm -hmm. and that's not good for me even yeah. though every time i'm eating one i'm like oh yeah this is what i want this is what i like this is my thing yeah you know so i and, there's a lot of and this is a and we've talked about this too but this is a a, a major double-edged sword because yes we have mega corporations here that are collecting this data um they're not hiding that they're collecting the data they don't even let you see it they can That's see about the other you, messed up but market. you can't see it, that right? I can't up. even see what I've spent in some of their games, never mind like all this other data that they have on me. But either way, um, they're going to be able to collect all kinds of things, tell what I like, tell this, tell that. At the same time, 
uh, eye tracking is required for dynamic foveated rendering, which real quick just means mm. that you're looking at the very center of the screen that is rendered in full HD resolution, this little dot of the screen, everything else can be very, very low resolution. Um, and then that moves with your eye and everything you see is the HD version and everything else looks like your peripheral vision in, in real life. So that enables headsets to then be able to produce uh, way higher end graphics, more high fidelity gaming, uh, more convincing virtual reality uh, without necessarily doing anything to the thermals of a chip. Oh, that sounds right? great. And, and it does. So, so there are two, just like the duality of life and the duality of everything, there is a huge up here and there is a huge down yeah. here. And really what this comes down to is um, educating people on this stuff and, and them caring enough to say no to these companies when that pops up in their terms of service or they do or they're doing things that are unethical or immoral um, that they don't like and to say no and to be able to have the self-discipline to say i'm not buying your stuff until you change that and you can't do that anymore it doesn't mean you have to stay away from it forever because if you don't fund them they will stop because they need money to live they, you, without money they, there's no company yeah right so we have control but it takes discipline from the consumer so anyway, uh, that's kind of my two cents. On Reminder it. to everyone mm -hmm. listening that like, don't forget you have influence, right? You can vote with your dollars. You can yes. choose how you want to see that. I think sometimes we get too like in the weeds on that to remember like the big picture. So I think that's a good reminder. This voting, is, this is with your dollars. Thank you for rem reminding me on Faviated, Faviated rendering. I haven't yes. heard that term since like 2018. So thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, and we've had Faviated rendering in, in like the Oculus Go, for example, but it's there. And it's all the time and it's right in the middle and everything else is blurry and it's just a subtle effect because you can see it all the time but with dynamic it changes when you where wherever you're looking which makes it so it's impossible to tell that it's happening right and you only get the benefit frame rates go up graphics goes up um you know this is all a huge unlock and something we absolutely need for vr to succeed but we also, it doesn't mean we have to give up that data. It doesn't mean we have to allow these companies to, to use it in ways that we don't agree with. Um, we do have the power. Like people are always like, ah, I'm not going around Walmart, blah, blah, blah. Well, don't go and they will close. I, I don't care how big they are. No company can survive without money. It's not possible. Yeah. So um, it's stand your though, ground, people. Because you need, you do need like a, like a, what's the word? There's like um there's like a an amount of people that you need for it to be effective right you know like uh oh, there's such a good word for it and i can't think of it right now but like yeah there's a mountain there's yeah. a, a certain amount of people that you need for that to work like yes. if just me says you know what screw it yeah. facebook you're not getting my stuff i'm not buying your headsets anymore that is not going to matter like there it literally needs to be like an awakening like where 51 percent of the vr yes. community all say no nope, screw that yep that's, majority. that's what it needs. Yeah, but but that starts with one person. Sure. And then that next person, it starts with them. And then the next person, the next person. That's how that happens. You don't look around and go, oh, everyone else is doing it. Now I can do it. Like, it doesn't work that way. You need... But that is what we're doing right It now. is what we're doing, but we're also... It is. You're right. But we also need to tell people and educate people and make them care. Yeah. And if they don't care, cool. You know, and we don't all have the same ethics and morals and stuff. That's cool. But enough, if enough people see it as a concern and stand up, things will change every time. Well, and I every guess time. it always boils down to intention, right? Like, yeah. and that's, that's the big, that's the big thing here. It's like, okay, so what's Facebook's intention? 
by including this technology? Is it just to improve the user experience or is there intention to harvest the crap out of that data? But does intention right now matter? Because if it's being stored, it doesn't. Let's say, let's say Mark Zuckerberg is like, no, my intention right now is to give everyone a great experience and to use this for dynamic foveated rendering, but we're going to keep it all in the server and we're not going to do anything with this. We're not going to sell your data. We're not going to profile you. We're not going to do any of these things. And then he gets hit by a bus or he ends, he ends up realizing I'm so rich. I'm just going to go buy an Island and no one's ever going to see me again. Mm -hmm. Someone else walks in the door, becomes the CEO of that company. Things change really, really, really fast. Yes. Right. And then all of a sudden that big bucket of data is there for that next person to decide on or the person after or the person after like think about your data now think about your children your grandchildren all of these people that are growing up from birth with this technology tracking everything they're doing yeah. and everything they're seeing and influencing their thoughts influencing how they feel about things right and this is this is all huge so this is a great point you're making and mm -hmm. i agree entirely in fact and i certainly was not about to give facebook or well, meta whatever you want to call them any any leniency or room or for wiggle room here mm -hmm. i'm basically saying that that is their intention is to store it and eventually one day have sure. it be misused and it would be great if a competitor could come along that had different intentions right who are creating devices that are made for inclusivity or to em enhance people's lives you know and like doing cool stuff you know instead of harvesting your data as a business platform mm -hmm. you know what i mean mm -hmm. so uh i do i do and all of happen. these you know all of these companies that come up with their with their intentions on the table and say look we're good like just remember that that can change and it still matters that you stand up for what's right and what's not and you vote with your dollar and you don't take part in things that you don't necessarily or but you know or educate jump, people when do we jump educate. ship that's what i'm asking you know because <sighs> like, right now we're not no i know we're not and and there's a there's some hypocriticism there b there's the need to be relevant and understand and have the 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 proper um, exposure and to the to the industry that we yeah. want to grow and, and make better and have some of these companies come up that don't need to do these things in order to, to have a sustainable business. But to educate people on it is so, so important because some people just generally don't know. For sure. You know, Joe and Sally Walmart go to Walmart and they pick up a, a Quest and they're like, oh, look, I can play games. They have no idea For sure. what they're giving but if we're not, not even But if we're not willing to not buy the headset, then what yeah. makes us think anybody else will? True. A Very true. Ashley how do you Very walk true. this line? Very true. Hard line to walk. Oh my goodness. Um, I mean, with the consumer-friendly headset, like the Oculus Quest 2, I think is like, you know, I, I will I will still use that, right? I probably won't get a Quest Pro. Um, we'll see how that works. But I mean, there's always going to be a trade-off, right, of something in exchange for something. Like, for example, um, Clear, the little bio... Uh, metric eye scanner machine at airports, right? Whenever you sign up for that, you essentially like, you know, hand over your biometrics to this private company. So now I can be identified by my eyes instead of having to pull out my, um, my ID. And for me, that's a trade-off because I, I thought to myself, you know what? I mean, it's just, it's going to come to a point where right now the convenience for that specific instance outweighs my concern for where my eye um, information is going at this time. Mm -hmm. So what's your concern levels when it comes to what we're talking about right now? You know, obviously, you know, you're, you're actually, you're the one that even brought it into this conversation, which thank you for that. Cause we love to talk about this when we have an opportunity to, um, but like, where's your concern level now? Like, 
maybe you don't buy the quest pro but if you want to buy any other headset from that company moving forward it's not like they're going to pull that feature out you know what i mean so are you just like are you going to vote with your dollar here and say uh actually if they're going to be taking that data this is where i draw the line you know or i don't know what's what's your approach really good question and it's it's more complicated than that too because i do take into consideration how companies are you know factoring in inclusivity in their design and i am a part of um w3c uh immersive captions group which is a really great um group that we meet weekly and they're you know some of the conversations that i'm involved in are people representatives employees from meta google uh apple like the big names are are making strides to to move the needle here privacy doesn't really come up in these discussions because it's more centered around um inclusive design and trying to like improve that um but i feel like it's it's we're in a strange time where our physical worlds are intersecting with our digital identities and rise right now is a time to kind of determine what you want that to be Mm-hmm. Um, and with the, with the data part, my, my concern level would be a 15 out of a 10. Um, but the fact that no one else is on that same level, I feel like I'm on an Island, but I don't want to be alarmist right. on it. Um, but just the fact is we're just really at an intersection where there aren't a lot of policy, um, levers to enforce, um, good actors. And bad actors like for example the ai bill of rights came out what october 14th and that's like a a federal document i think that's a good step in the right direction are people paying attention probably not um but i think it's important to you know start interjecting that into the conversations of how we interact with technology because if we think about it how we started to interact with technology it was like novelty right people didn't really care about it. it was an afterthought and people are still treating it like such and it's a big problem. Um, mm-hmm. You can't continue to treat a technology like that that is continuing to evolve and innovate and morph. Um, there's going to come a point where it's just going to have so much friction. Um, so, like, that's what I do, hopefully, with Coffee and Code is help demystify some of that for people so that they know that they don't have to be a techie right. to, have, to have a seat at the table for that conversation because literally tech is interwined in every person's life at this point. That's some great insight. That make that makes great sense, and I really mm-hmm. like everything you just said. Yeah. So that Bill of Rights, just so we know, wouldn't have happened if there weren't a bunch of people that were like, "Hey, this is concerning. Yeah, let's help do something about this." Yeah. So you know that's fantastic, and uh, so let's are we let's work together. Then? Well, yeah. I, I mean, I think we're doing something. Yeah. Which is great, right? So it's it's really good. Like people, this is why one of the reasons I have so much respect for people like Kent Buy. Right. Because he's like, oh, like this is happening. We need to take these actions and we need to, you know, alert people and we got to get these things passed and really like, like put together some things here to protect the future of humanity. Because sometimes people don't know these things are happening Mm -hmm. and those people can't take action if they have no idea what's what's coming. Right. So so it's great to have people like Kent uh, and people like, you know, all the people that are that are that are um, helping with all of these things that are coming in the future, right? Once we're there, it's almost too late. You gotta intertwine some of these things into the progression as it happens um, to make it easier, you know, because if, you know, big tech has all of the uh, say, then that's that's not good. Right, Right, and I kind of feel like this is a little bit of what you're doing uh, with all of your efforts right now, Ashley, you know, because we're seeing this technology 
start to be not a novelty it's starting to become relevant to almost everyone's life but you know a technology like vr isn't accessible to all you know like now we're just like we're kind of stepping away from this tech being used as just like a toy and like cool if you can use it congrats and if you can't well sorry but wasn't made for you you know like i feel like you are doing you're taking steps to help kind of integrate accessibility options into technology ahead of time like early enough to where it can be there by the time it reaches kind of that critical mass am, am i right in saying that so like think of it like you're making a cupcake and you're about to eat it and then the chef comes over and is like oh wait i forgot to put the egg in it let me put it on top you're not going to eat that cupcake right that's how i try to put the analogy around accessibility and design of xr that's a, a great yeah. analogy. Yeah, that is. That's, that's a great analogy. And, mm -hmm. you know, I appreciate your perspective saying, like, you know, it, this tech used to be a novelty, and now it's becoming something that's, like, more integrated. Because I, it's easy for me to fall into this mindset of, like, that things don't need to be built with, with inclusivity in mind, you know, because that could potentially, like, stifle other like the people who have no issue using that technology it might stifle their ability to maximize the potential of that device you know or if someone's making a game and they want people to be able to i don't know like like beat saber for example you know you're like you're this is a very active game you need to have arms that can swing left right and up and down to play that game like that's all there is to it you know and i mean i guess there could be ways that you could try to add the egg afterwards but that game didn't have egg built into it when they designed it and i sometimes i wonder if like that's okay you know like is it okay that people are still making stuff for themselves or for people who um you know are fully able-bodied or fully able to take advantage of of the stuff or is there something that is is inclusivity more important than that like freedom to express and create freely Wow, that's a lot to unpack, and I like it. I like it. <laughs> I think. I mean, one. I'll start. I'll start out here by saying that at some point in our lives, we're all going to have a disability, whether it's now uh, planned or unplanned. Right? Um, get hit by a bus, surgery. Um, some people are born with a disability, and they can't change that. Right? And not being able to have an equitable access to an opportunity is a problem. Uh, disability is a social construct, right? It's about how we approach people who have different perspectives than us. And my perspective in all of this, and I hope this helps unlock other people's thought process around this, I think the biggest area for innovation lies in the, the outliers, the people that have been excluded for so long. Because Alex, you mentioned, there are probably people out there that are adding the egg in the middle. Yes, there are a lot of people doing that. And so much so, they've developed so many good workarounds and hacks. Like, for example, immersive captioning. I don't know why, but like live closed captioning is such a hot topic in the immersive space right now. I don't know why it costs per minute to transcribe. And I don't know why platforms like Spatial are charging $10 a month um, for closed captions, but that's like an essential tool. So what we do is like, we're taking in browsers into like spatial or alt space VR, um, different environments, and then running stream text through that, like developing workarounds, but people shouldn't have to do that is, is the, is the, is the, is the case. And if you're co-designing, then you won't have that realization after the fact, like the first time I got into, um, 
a VR experience where I could see my hands. My hands were white. And I was like, oh my gosh, this, I mean, one, it's cool that I'm represented here, but it's not cool because I'm, the person that's entering this space isn't always going to be white. Right. Um, so it's important to think of that inclusive design. And if they were co-creating and diverse, creating diversely, they would have caught that. So I just want to always like bring that to the forefront of we'll always like I, we'll all experience a disability at some point in our lives. And there's so much value in inclusive design. Um, I worked on a research report with Dylan Fox, as you mentioned earlier, um, with an XR access. And we took a group of strangers with lived experience across the U.S. and we assessed spatial, alt space, um, and engage. Uh, and Mozilla Hubs, and we ex we assess them for their accessibility, um, and then show the business value and inclusive design. So there is a lot of probability there, and there's a lot of promise. I think it's just taking time for business leaders to invest in those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know, I think it's really interesting. Like, because for me, when you say something like, "Okay," and when I entered the space and I looked down and my hands were white, you know, that's a problem because not everyone's going to be white, and I agree with that entirely. And I think it speaks to the 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 power of virtual reality as an embodied experience and how it's not like playing a game like this some so often we make the comparison to vr experiences and like video games you know but like playing i i've played as all kinds of different characters in video games you know what i mean but i don't always i never really feel like that's me down there you know like the avatar in that game isn't me i'm playing this video game but when you put a vr headset on and you look down and you see hands those are your hands you know, like there's something so profound about a VR experience in comparison to some other avatar experiences that it's it's kind of hard to put my finger on, you know, like I'm not exactly sure. Maybe it's I mean, maybe I'm hitting the nail on the head right now, but it's like there's something about the immersive experience of wearing the headset and seeing your, your hands down underneath as you look at them. That is just completely different from any other form of of media. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because I feel like at one point in the 2000s-ish, I, I was thinking to myself, you know, I feel like 50% of my life is digital, 50% of my life is in person, right? So it's okay to like not really give the 50% digital attention, right? When you're like 50% alive in the real space. But now like the lines are so blurred where it's like, we're in it like we're 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 blended there there are no lines anymore so um i like that you kind of mentioned that yeah that is it, yeah. is, it is crazy it is, we are literally like the first era of human beings to have this relationship with technology you know like there's mm -hmm. been technology before but that like was existed on the outside and to your point now it's like vroom, like shifted in big yeah. time we're like practically on our way to becoming cyborgs at this point yeah we kind of are really good thing of what you mentioned alex of intimacy what does intimacy mean when mm -hmm. it comes to vr and wearing an hmd like that was such a great mind-blowing question that i'm so glad that you brought out because i had me thinking for like a really long time after that which is intentional and in what you were hoping um yes. so thank you <laughs> of course um yeah i mean big companies also i feel like agree with this too like uh, for example meta is dumping so much money into this into their avatar system not the one in horizon right now where you have no legs right but the one but where where they're able to bring you into a room that's surrounded in cameras and create like a like a super realistic lifelike version of you that is almost impossible to tell the difference right and there's a reason for that 
because you you know you identify from the time you were born you start to learn to identify with your biological avatar mm -hmm. right so so the the disconnect there can be absolutely huge if you're not represented properly because we we really identify as as this body i mean ultimately you know does this body really even but not, but not everybody the, though some, right. some people are born they're like nope this isn't me no no this is and this is true this is true uh, you know maybe the majority do and that's why this is a big deal to make sure that when you go in there you can change your hand color you yeah. can change what you look like like you know this sounds stupid but sometimes i um uh, you know i i'll build an avatar and like ready player me and i'm like man I'm not this skinny. Why can't I? Why can't I have some fat? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, come on, give me. Let me have a tummy or something. Yeah. Why? Because like I don't know. I just identify this way. It's really. It's it's an interesting thing. So it's like it's important to, for for immersion and to like sell this whole thing to be able to have people identify um, as their avatars correctly. Dude, and by the way, one mm. concern that I've always wanted to express to you that I haven't had an opportunity about always, but of something I've been wanting to express to you that I haven't had a chance to yet. And I'm really realizing is kind of relevant here is like one thing that I'm not excited about is like being able to mask certain emotions or, or movements or feelings, right? Like I, with hand tracking and eye, eye tracking mm -hmm. and face tracking and all this stuff, like I, I do a lot of meetings in VR now with yeah. my new job. Yeah. And sometimes I yawn. Doesn't mean I hate everything that's happening, yeah. you know, but yeah, like yeah. sometimes the yawns start pouring out. Maybe, yeah. maybe I'm not as... Maybe the, what they're saying is boring me or something. I don't know. But the fact of the matter is like, I don't want people to see me being like... Uh, see my eyes get heavier and like I'm looking around the room, <laughs> you know, like there's like some privacy that, that gets there lost is. even in between our interactions, you know, that yes. like I have to be okay with, you know, or like what if I, I don't know. But in this new digital world, <laughs> that could be something that we we don't have to compromise on, right? Eventually, as we're figuring out eye tracking and, and, and with the machine learning, understanding our different facial expressions, we could potentially say if i make this expression show it as this one instead <laughs> like replace it with this if i go to yawn smile that or something do you know what i mean like this is all like anything is possible right there. in there yeah yeah this is anything's possible in in with the digital representations of ourselves. right this is all computerized digitized we can do anything you know just because you have an avatar that represents you exactly like these new these new meta avatars right with the crazy camera system doesn't mean you can't go in and like brush yourself up like photoshop your avatar up a little bit right and kind of mm -hmm. take out only the things that you really don't really like that maybe you have you're self-conscious about or something right like i feel like it's not all or nothing um there's the there's the full spectrum that will be realized um in all of this and you'll be able to kind of change things all the way in between so like that. yeah i do i do because it would be a bummer like someone says something in a meeting you like roll your eyes like, oh exactly like, right now you're i don't want to reveal that. that right 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 yeah exactly <laughs> exactly i agree with you there yeah. <laughs> but google is launching what's called like lightroom where they're putting these um these pods in some like places like Salesforce where you can, it's a, has a, it's a light field conversation, like pod. Have you seen this? No, I've seen it a little bit, but I haven't read a ton into it yet. Mm -hmm. I'll send you a link about it because it's absolutely fascinating, but essentially it is kind of bringing, it's called Project Starline. Um, and they're bringing light field video calls to enterprise partners first. Um, I will share a link here, but it's interesting because it looks like something straight out of the show devs, 
If anyone remembers. Oh Dev. my God. Devs? Devs is, has got to be one of the most un, like oh underrated shows of it. Like that show blew my mind and nobody knows what Same. it is. Like, I, I'm very surprised that you brought that up because I'm always like, Oh, you like, you like matrix stuff. You like, you know, black mirror. Have you seen devs? Everyone's like, oh, this. I know. And I haven't even oh, seen it. So stuff. good. And it was yeah. dark. It was good. It was really, really good. Yeah. Nick Offerman yeah. did not, I'm not don't expect that kind of performance out of him, but like so yeah. impressed, yes. and it's a journey. Highly yeah. recommend anyone watch it because whew, and, and it's also scary because I do see some like potentials of you know a direction of technology could go if X Y Z happens that that could happen. Well, that's what makes um, so this stuff like, so. Oh. That's what makes this stuff so powerful, right? Like like Black Mirror, we it's powerful to us, and it's it's so popular because we all see that this stuff can really, this could happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it kind of, you know, just like when you go and you watch like a, some murder mystery or something in the theater or whatever, right? Like it's powerful because that shit happens. Yeah. Right. Like it really like, happens. You can find a way to yeah. like relate to it. Or right. Be, or totally. be empathetic to mm-hmm. the experience. So that's very much like, it's a good thing though, too, because it really does show people and, and it kind of lays it out there. Like, Hey, if we're not careful, you know, this stuff could happen. So, and, and when you really look back to how technology has been designed, like a lot of this stuff was all conceived by people that have, uh, that write sci-fi and have these visions of the future. And then, and then smart people later on, when the technology gets to a certain point, look back at that and go, wow, that would be awesome. Let's do that. Mm -hmm. Right. And then they can. So this is all like really important stuff to, uh, to kind of put out there. And, uh, that's a great show. Black Mirror is a great show. Devs is phenomenal. Go see devs. And I got to say, there's only two episodes out right now, but there's a new show out called the peripheral on Amazon. And it's all about like, it's another VR show and nice. it's super good. It's super, super good. So I was getting ads for that. And I was curious about what it's about. I will check that out. It's really cool. It's like, uh, I don't know, like 70 years in the future or something. Right. And where VR is then. And like, Oh, cool. It's, so it's like like the conceivable future. Yes. Yes, the conceivable future. And you look at the headsets in it, and you're like, I can see them being like that. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and it's really good, and the actors are phenomenal, and the story's really uh, good so far. Like I said, only two episodes in. Maybe it'll tank. Maybe it won't, but I really feel like uh, it's uh, so far so good. So, I Ashley, appreciate originality. I think there are too many shows right now that are just kind of repeating what we've yeah, already seen. So I'll give sure. it a shot for originality there. And, yeah. and she will. I saw her write it down. When Ashley writes something down, that, that makes it real. <laughs> Stone. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I, I want to compliment you on your shirt. Not the one that I'm currently wearing, which is the Coffee and Code logo, which is currently available on uh, the, the, the merch site that we have linked in the description below, um, which is, uh, you know, beautiful embroidery, right? Go, go and get yourself one. But I was going to compliment is you on your shirt. Is that embroidered? It is embroidered. Go ahead. Oh, dude. Yeah. Wow. Not too bad. That's next level. Go buy one of those. Not That's too sick. bad. That's Not really awesome. You. Um, but it's the XR women shirt, right? XR women. It's got the women logo in there. It looks very nice. Um, what is XR women? Tell us about it. What is it? Great question. Um, first off, thank you for supporting coffee and code. You can find that shirt at coffeeandcode.com. Thank you for linking it. Um, but XR women is a great organization. It's just a group of volunteers that have organized Julie Smithson, Sophia Moshasha, Sarah Klein, oh, some of the founders, and Karen Alexander. Nice. Um, yeah, really great people. They started this okay. community, I think, in 2020, like when the pandemic hit, right? And um, we found ourselves 
in the WTF moment, they created this community and it was a really good space for like women in the VR world to one find one another because it is hard. Um, like for, for example, here in Oklahoma, I can count the amount of I know, people, women in the VR XR space I know and on my hand on a singular. Yeah. So like being able to like find us all, it was really wonderful and understand what everyone is working on. This is a group of people of like in different industries, some of its academia, some of its enterprise, you name it. But um, it's a great organization. It's free. We meet every Wednesday in I Learn Rebella. It's a great campus. Um, uh, Jonathan Richter is, is, is nice enough to uh, let us use that space uh, for free. So it's been a, a good space and highly recommend anyone uh, join us. Uh, get your avatar ready. Um, and these shirts are actually from Lisi Linares from PR Sharks. She gave these to all of the XR women um, attendees at AWE. So we had a fun little uh, after party at, at AWE that was wild at this like beautiful, massive mansion. Um, it was a good time, but uh, thank you, Lisi and PR Sharks for this. And thank you to XR women for providing a safe space to, to just like get to know other people and, and connect and network and know that we're not alone. We were at that party, by the way. It yep. was pretty awesome. It was sick. <laughs> <laughs> it was like that place was. Uh, um, yeah. yeah. Was it that it one? Was or was it like I the next it, day? It was I think another it left party around two thirty a.m. I was yeah. I was one of the last. Yes. Yeah, we were we were there pretty late. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Close that thing down. Yeah, I don't know if that was like the Shut same party. It was this definitely the same house? No, it was the same party because there was. I mean, everybody was there with an XR women shirt. On. Oh, there was, right, I saw right, so right. many of those shirts at yeah. the party. Yeah, and then was there was like a big photo shoot with everybody in it in front of the house before everything went down. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I am like, what do you think is the primary contributing factor for a lack of women in the space? Right. Like you say, it's hard to find each other. It's not hard for me to find another dude who's into VR. You know. So what? Like, what do you think is the primary contributing factor? Why aren't there more women in XR? That's a good question, a question that I get often. It's not an easy answer, um, but if you think about it, you... the spaces that are currently occupied are primarily male-dominated, right? And there's also an, an intimidation factor, I feel like, of technology in general and immersive tech. I think there needs to be a bit more light shown on the, the jobs that are necessary to successfully run an XR company. It's not just being a developer. There are so many other things, Alex, as you know. Um, yeah, when that's you what I got the after. Community. Yeah, yeah. So there's that. And but there's also this just concept of community over competition. It's so bizarre, um, just the dynamics. Uh, but in, in some jobs that I've had of... Maybe you have uh, female colleagues that support you. Maybe you have female coll colleagues that are um, competing with you. And then it gets weird. Um, but also, it's the degree programs as well um, don't attract enough women, right? But it also starts really from a, a youth perspective, having access, like seeing themselves in, mm -hmm. in different spaces. That's why I love XR Women. That's why I love OK Women in Tech and, and a lot of other organizations is that they kind of uh, open up the lid of here's what technology can be and here's an opportunity for you to like really democratize everything and create a, a space and a path for yourself and that's i did a tedx talk in 2019 on like cultivating women's empowerment with technology because i really feel it can break down barriers and create an opportunity you don't have to have a college degree really you can have um internet access and a chromebook 
and start your own business and like provide for yourself without having to like go to college and you know all those things so i just think it has a, such a unlock opportunity for women single moms you know people that are pivoting especially since covid hit you know we're going through that the great resignation then the great reshuffle people are reconsidering what they're going to do and the data is clear that technology isn't going away jobs in the xr space are going to triple in the next few years it's, it's such high income earning potential and sustainability um so that, that all in a nutshell, advocacy, awareness, um, support and encouragement, um, inviting people, inviting women. Like, I appreciate that you invited me on the show. Um, I've seen I've seen your lineup and I love that you bring diverse voices on here. So I appreciate, you know, being a female voice in here and hopefully um, you can continue that by bringing on more female voices in the future. But I hope that answers your question. Feel free to, to link my TEDx talk. I feel like I have some good resources there on like tangible things you can do as an individual to help bridge that gap and break that barrier. Sweet. Yeah. And, you know, we definitely we love women. You know, Steve and I are, are big fans of women, you know, of, you know, inside and outside of XR, of course. Um, but we actually haven't had a whole lot of trouble having female guests on this show and it's actually awesome. never been something that like we did intentionally we're not like hey man we need we need we need more women on this show you know we better we better book a few like we have just reached out naturally to those who we find inspiring and it just so happens that we have plenty of women in the space mm -hmm. Uh, it's definitely not us. it's definitely not 50 50 though it's not 50 50 it is right. definitely not 50 50 yeah. and you know there's other opportunities um to have a more diverse group of people join us on this show as well but yeah. um you know we've basically just reached out naturally within our networks just to the people who we've known become fans of and followed and been lucky enough that a lot of those people are women um you know mm -hmm. women do in my experience oftentimes bring insanely invaluable perspective to conversations where they otherwise wouldn't be you know like women look at things through a different lens than men often you know and like i'm married and you know we're a team you know like there's stuff that she does that she's good at that i don't think about as often and and vice versa you know and i think having as many different opi opinions perspectives and stuff as, as often as you can involved in conversations like this one is huge and absolutely valuable so um yeah it's yeah. It has not been hard for us. And of course, we'll continue to invite anybody within the space, mm -hmm. regardless of how diverse they are, yeah. um, to come and join us for stuff like I, this. I think people, you know, we, we've had, it's so good that there's like, that people are starting to understand the power of diversity now, right? A lot of, you know, there used to be this, people used to look at it like, oh, well, you know, diversity and blah, 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 right? But it's like, you, know, you really got to look at this because like, everyone was brought up differently in different parts of the world different sexes treated differently um right and all of these people bring something so important to to a thing right so companies that focus on diversity will generally be more successful will be able to solve problems faster because you have all of these different ways of thinking all of these different educational um uh upbringings and all of these different ways of thinking of things yeah. and you're putting it all into one um into one pot and what comes out is something so 
big and so magical. Um, diversity is, is so very, very important. Um, if the world was all run by 40 year old white dudes, oh my God, would things be terrible and boring? Right. You know, so right. more diversity. kind of there right now, actually. Um, speaking of the midterm elections, go vote. Yeah, well, we need more. We need more diversity and people are starting to figure this out, but we need, we need more. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, voting. Oh, vote, vote. Yeah. I thought that you asked that, Alex, and thank you for, for that question. I think more people should ask that on their show. So thank you. Yes, and I'm actually going to take it a step further if that's okay. So I imagine, sure. um, I imagine, um, I guess I'm assuming, do you, uh, that you might encounter women in your life who don't have the same level of understanding of tech that you do, or they don't use tech, or they haven't integrated it into their lives in the way that you have um, and that you know, you know, makes sense and frankly will one day be inevitable. Um, what, like, do you, do you make it like a mission of yours to convert these women who maybe are a, a kind of like, uh, I don't know, you know, like kind of afraid to get in there. And, and if so, what are some of the things that you say to other women who have not integrated with technology like you have to help them maybe become more comfortable with it? Question. I, I would never convert someone. I always like to provide like an opportunity for someone to make the decision if something's for them or not. But I will give them like the full unedited version of what it's like to have a career in STEM and, and tech because it's all not sunshine and rainbows. Like I, I don't share often, but like things like, oh, I need to speak to a male manager or you're too emotional to make these decisions about this computer. These little comments that or um, being in a, in a meeting and um, voicing something and then a male voicing it and then it being heard like these are little microaggressions that add up over time. So like, yes, there's an underlying problem, but there are also those behaviors. Um, but when it comes to the conversations that you're mentioning of kind of opening up the area of opportunity. I get a lot of people that come to me that will say, hey, I'm interested in getting into the healthcare tech space. Like, where do I start? Um, and I like talking to people, okay, what is your experience? I like helping people understand how their past experience can work for XYZ field. Like, for example, someone that is in um, that has call center experience and has um, hospitality and industry experience, like they could be a healthcare technician. Um, like that is an entry point. But some people, they don't know what they don't know. And these fields and ranges, broads, are, there's so many options out there. So my my um, goal is just to help lift the veil on what's out there so people can start to get creative on aligning their skills to those jobs if that makes sense it does i on the other hand will straight up convert your ass i will be like <laughs> no I, there's no reason that you will not love this sit down i'm putting this headset on <laughs> like I, I will i will drag you kicking and screaming down that road if i have to <laughs> well, the question is what experience are you going to put on that person's head because that's what i want to know 99 percent of the time beat saber 99 percent of the time <laughs> is beat saber and there, there are a couple of reasons why it's not just because i like the game which I, of course i do um but there's a few reasons why the the Number one reason is that it does not ask the user to do anything dangerous at all. It doesn't encourage the user to move their feet from where they are planted. Like you plant your feet and you stay there. And it also doesn't encourage the user to look behind them, to to go after anything. Like it brings everything to you. So it 
a lot of times like when people are new in vr if you were to put them in something like super hot which i used to do um my wife ran into our tv like in, in the living room because there was a gun on the floor maybe 15 20 feet ahead of her oh. you know so she sees a gun in front of her it starts taking two and a half steps and then smack right into the tv screen you know which of course i caught the tv made sure it was okay and then made sure she was okay oh. afterwards oh. <laughs> which is sad but true oh. um and uh but like that's when i realized that super hot is not a good use uh not a good experience to put somebody mm. who's new in because it encourages you to to break outside of what might be your safe little guardian bubble um so it brings everything to the user and then the other thing that it does is it perfectly blends visuals audio and haptics in an experience that almost anyone can instantly understand and relate to it's to me it's like being a martial artist and a musician at the same time like it's or it's it's kind of like a guitar hero in a way you know it like feels like you're participating in the music without having the skill to execute the music yourself and it's instantly rewarding um, most of the music is like approachable you know there's like chord progressions that make sense that if you're just playing it on the radio like nine times out of ten people stop to hear the chord progression finish like all approachable music not everybody vibes with with edm or whatever you want to call it but it still works for what's happening there even if you're not a fan of the of of that kind of music so um and then also it's just really fun so the visuals the audio are all there music is something that we all connect with it's it doesn't get you to run around or anything i think it's one of one of the most perfect first vr experiences you can have yeah agreed and there's so many new music packs too like lizzo just came out with the music pack lady gaga my favorite is the lincoln park yes it's my favorite too. i'm a lincoln park yep. fan through and through and just being able to like relive those memories and experience that music and like in a virtual format is so cool takes me back it's that i'll tell you what the lincoln park beat saber pack came out after the lead singer's suicide and chester bennington yes. my heart breaks rest i still peace. think about him rest in peace homie um and yeah, i was i was a fan of lincoln park when hybrid theory dropped you know like i was watching the one step closer music video on mtv2 like oh, back God, to back so to back God. you know like i was there um so but anyway you know for years i like sang along to the music and i'm like yeah this song jams like i love this song i love that song um but then he passes and beat saber puts out the pack and i was watching i think i was watching gamer tag play it um on his stream and mm -hmm. then i heard the lyrics and i was like blown away i heard the lyrics in a way that i had never heard them before after he passed because he basically was singing about this in like every single song and it kills me it is insane that he was like forwardly putting it all out there like letting everyone know how much of a struggle it was how you know you can look happy on the outside and it's terrible like all of this shit and uh when i saw the beat saber pack come out and i heard those lyrics through beat saber um I, it's like i was hearing it for the first time and it was and it, i think it speaks also to um now to maybe jump ship just slightly uh of vr as a platform of engaging with media in an entirely new way like there are people like my dad who i got into beat saber who never listened to any anything off of this soundtrack but now when imagine dragons comes on the radio or even angel voices which he added to a playlist after falling in love with that song like angel mm -hmm. voices comes on at a party you know where he where like he has his friends over having drinks and he like stops everything and he's just like vibes on it for a while you know and it's like he was exposed to that through the Beat Saber game and like by participating it, 
it like took on a whole new form for him and now he and his wife both listen to these songs that they learned through beat saber and like love it and they'll be like pretending to play in the air while it's like playing through the radio and stuff you know like they're connected to it so i also find that really fascinating about beat saber as well intergenerational intergenerational but also on, on a note i wanted to mention on um, back to chester beddington here um i want to mention the 988 it's a national suicide helpline mental health lifeline so if you or someone you know is struggling call 988 doesn't matter where you live in the country great resource um but it's a good example um just what you mentioned right there alex you know so much happens under beneath the surface right it's about paying attention right so Whenever I go back and listen to Lincoln Park, you know, Meteora, uh, just so many things. I hear it, I hear it, and it just like it does something to me um, on a visceral level. So I've all like truly with that, Robin Williams and so many other artists that are gone way too soon. Like I always want to make it a point to like advocate for mental health and awareness and reducing the stigma of talking about it because man, some of these artists were still around. Whew! Imagine mm -hmm. the music we'd be having. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amen. 988. Yeah. I appreciate your advocacy for mental Heck health. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, how are we doing, man? Because, you know, we started this whenever we felt like we're, starting. We're there. We're pretty much there. I yeah, think we're, we're getting there. close. Or maybe we're a half hour mm -hmm. away. Or maybe. No, about yeah. five, ten minutes. Wow. <laughs> okay. Well, we're getting, we're getting yeah. pretty close. Mm -hmm. We're getting pretty close. But I definitely want to bounce the ball back into your court at, at least one more time, Ashley. Um, maybe just to bring up something that's like really important about what you've been up to or one of your projects that we haven't had a chance to mention yet uh, that you want to make sure that we kind of have a chance to dive into a little bit. Yeah. Sorry, I'm trying to clear space for my head because um, I know we just working... jumped a lot. <laughs> no, no, this is good. I've, I've been also been working on a really big deadline a report that I've been working on for DOL for the past six months is finally coming out tomorrow. Yay. Yeah. Um, so I will be happy to send that. It's a disability led innovation and in AI hiring technologies. So I also span the artificial intelligence space too, but for here, we're in the XR space. Um, but always hit me up if you want to talk about artificial intelligence. Um, but yeah. with XR, <laughs> one of the big things that we're working on, and I'm super fortunate to work with a great team at Wheelhouse Group, um, my colleague Bill Curtis Davidson, he has, actually used to be the former uh, head of accessibility at Magic Leap. And uh, we met through XR Access. And um, he's incredible and he has helped me like learn the accessibility aspects of and, and applying them to emerging tech. There are a lot of like standards that are out there on the web for web accessibility. Um, but the people that I work with like are so good at melding it together. Alexa Huth, um, our strategic comms director. But one thing that we're really working on right now is how do we promote digital equity um, and, and, and broadband too, because XR is great and we love it. But it doesn't work without internet, right? Like the main aspects of that connectivity aren't possible without a reliable internet connection. And um, with the broadband infrastructure bill that's about to come out, there's going to be a lot of money that's going to be flowing down to states, um, which is great because that provides the opportunity for those rural communities to finally get internet access and experience what it's like to have that high five moment in rec room that you mentioned. Um, so we're, we're working on creating resources and really trying to convene communities to make sure that when that action happens, that it goes in the right area and it's reaching the people that need, to, need it most, multiply marginalized populations, um, because there's still an issue on just access on basic technology that it's, it's, it's 
a good reminder kind of takes take a step back and yeah we want to focus on xr access but it's also a reminder to focus on the the basics as well so we're really working on that and we'll have a lot of um cool stuff coming out and i hope to see you at ces and in, in january um we are a part of a cta roundtable discussion our team members have been there in the past so i'm really hoping to make that happen but if i'm able to see you i can get you up to speed on some other projects that we're working on but in my own like personal hat um area coffee and code i'm you know just trying to bring on more diverse speakers and trying to broaden that spectrum of what i cover on the show to make sure people are really getting enough out of it and actually learn something new because there's so much content out there these days. Um, people are very um, strict about what they consume, myself included, which is why I love Between Realities podcast. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah. what's up. For the, <laughs> for the strict consumer, Between Realities. When you want nothing but the best, Between Realities. That's right. Exactly. You may not always want a filet, but you know. <laughs> I do. Uh, <laughs> I'll eat a filet every day. <laughs> it's funny that I, um, this has been a great conversation, and I totally expected this to go in like a altered state of consciousness, UFO, conspiracy theory, direction, maybe philosophy. Well, so got another hour and a half. Let's go. We kept it contained. <laughs> Yeah, you know, well, yeah. luck, I mean, luckily, I mean, I guess uh, this is a good thing. You know, you have so many different things going on that it's easy just to, like, mm -hmm. talk about Ashley Coffee yeah. for an entire episode, you know, or, or expand on, on some of the things that you've been doing. It's very easy to kind of start to dive down some different tangents and, like, different, uh, mm -hmm. like, lines of thought. But, you know, being involved in the kind of stuff that you're involved with is thought provoking, you know, and it starts to starts to ask a lot of questions. You know, you're tackling some of the, to your point, like more like glaring issues where there's like a lot of opportunity for growth. And I think one of the reasons why it's such a good opportunity is because there aren't a ton of conversations that are being, that are happening around all of that stuff, you know? So there's definitely stuff to unpack. There's layers to all of it. And uh, I think we did a pretty good job of diving into most of it throughout this discussion. Mm -hmm. What do you think? It was actually like ever since I chatted with you, I've been thinking about like, you know, the whole death conversation. I was hoping that would come up today, but that we can save that for part two. Um, yes. yes, I would love to, you know, I mean, it. There, I love to get into that stuff when the conversation gets us there, you know, like you can't start. Yeah with that <laughs> yeah it's, it's sure. a pretty heavy thing to go into but it, it yeah is. this has been fabulous and i appreciate y'all's time i think we definitely covered a broad spectrum of topics today and i hope your listeners find something new and informative and again thank you both so much for um being an awesome um entity in this space right i feel like there are a lot of different spaces on the internet people can go to but y'all done a really good job cultivating this authentic space that means a lot so continue your great work and thank you Thank you. Oh, we absolutely you so will. Um, you know, if there's somebody who's watching who's like, okay, Ashley's the real deal, and I want to get involved with XR Women, or I want to get involved with, you know, some of her other initiatives that she's been into, um, what's the best way to kind of reach out, follow, and, and keep in touch with you? Great question. You can email me hello at ashleycoffee.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at ashleycoffee underscore. That's A S H L E Y C O F F E Y slightly different spelling than the beverage um or ashleycoffee.com or coffeeandcode.com no ampersand um or just like i'm all over the internet um you'll find me somewhere but yeah i'm, I'm always happy to answer questions and really guide people in the right direction um no question is a dumb question in my opinion that's my philosophy 
So yeah, if someone heard something and they want to dive into it a little bit more, feel free to reach out. I'll answer what I can. Well, it's been great having you on the show. Um, thank you so much for joining us for this episode and uh, for rolling with the punches, by the way, because we tried to schedule this quite a few times. Oh, I know. Like multiple moving like dates. An embarrassing instead. amount of time. Yeah. Sorry. But also, she she changed the date on us at least once throughout that too, right? Yeah, so once. <laughs> once. Well, this this oh, is a yeah, tough. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you for thank you so much for for accommodating that. Um, life is wild right now. I feel like it I'm is. still catching up from AWE in May. Yeah. I have not stopped since December the last December that we were in like yeah. into the new year and this entire new yeah, year has just been absolutely crazy. But yes, definitely. Thank you. No. Because yeah, we definitely switched this time and date around on you a million times. We so did. We thank you for rolling with those punches and getting over here Ten. and talking to us anyway. So I appreciate that. Anything for y'all. Any, I, I'm a very chill person. I will always roll with the punches. I have no expectations, so I am not disappointed. And that's a great philosophy to live by. That is. Um, <laughs> that really is. Yeah, expect nothing and appreciate everything. Well, what I'm going to expect is that you will join us again in a future season of Between Realities, and that episode will be one to watch because we will dive straight in to more of the mysticism and uh, and deep depths of of our souls in that conversation. Because uh, you know, a lot of this, a lot of my my progression in this world has come from you know innately a lot of those kinds of conversations. You know, and I feel like those conversations aren't being had nearly as often as they also should be. So we'll have you back uh, in the future. And um, in that episode, we uh, will have more experiences and we'll dive a little deeper and we'll, we'll dig up some of that stuff that you were maybe expecting this time. Yeah, yeah. And feel free. I'm doing a very casual book club in December on Snow Crash. Oh, nice. Um, nice. Yeah. So I have like a very small circle of emerging tech people. Russ Gant is one of them from Harvard. And my former boss, Matt Cook, who runs the Digital Scholarship Lab at Harvard, who hired me to be Emerging Tech Librarian. So if you want to be in on that conversation, I'm going to do a Christmas special for my podcast and just have a lovely obliteration of really good episodes around Snow Crash. So if you want to read in on that and be a part of that, let me know. That sounds sick. I love that book. Let us I know. love Snow Crash. Ready Player One, obviously. And in case mm -hmm. it's not on your radar, The Memory Engine. I don't know if you know this book, no. but the memory no. engine is like like what maybe Ready Player Two should have been. It's really good. She just and, described it into her reality. Yeah, and for real, and and it was also written by a member of our community, Gary Walkton, who is no uh, immersed robot, and he is. I mean, this book is phenomenal. So definitely check it out. It's a you know about virtual reality and brain computer interfacing, um, and and it really goes in. And I think he like he is really interesting to see where he thinks the tech is going to go with with haptics and with with VR in general. And it's just a killer book. So definitely check that one out too. Snow Crash, wicked cool. Uh, you know, I remember what I remember. I, I listen to a lot of audiobooks when I'm on big drives, and I was listening to Snow Crash on my way to some convention in LA. I, I mean, in um, I think in Las Vegas, and I remember, I remember they nailed the resolution and the frame rate of the Quest One in snow crash did did you pick up on that what? like they nailed no. it they wow. got it exact the exact resolution and frame rate of the quest one was the resolution and the frame rate of the headsets in snow crash which blew my mind i like rewound it and listened to it i'm like what <laughs> no no way yeah it's it's nutty so anyway a little fun fact there 
Oh my <laughs> gosh, book, that's wild. Yeah. Weird Thank stuff. You. And my that's, mind is blown. And that's where mm-hmm. they coined that's where the term metaverse was coined, right? Is it was. Yeah. Yep. Yep. They coined the the, the phrase metaverse, wow. which is the word metaverse. I right. Yeah. yeah, I guess yep. so. All right. Ashley Good Coffee. Stuff. That's it. Thank you for joining us here on Between Realities. It's been a pleasure having you. And everyone, please say goodbye to Ashley Coffee now. Bye, Ashley. Bye, Ashley. See you later. And she's gone, never to be seen again. Well, I guess we just said she'll be seen again. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know why that's the thing that I say. <laughs> it's I just, it came out one day, and it's been that. And I don't know. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, anyway, that was great. It was. Yeah. a great guest. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. it's so awesome to to like to meet people out at these expos and and like and be like yes this is this is what we're looking for let's go like form these friendships and like just you know meet people cut from the same cloth and then have these great episodes of between realities totally and like meeting people in in person is Mm -hmm. great because you have an opportunity to connect and like kind of start to peel away some layers and stuff you know but like I really uh, appreciate the opportunity to have guests on the show and like do these dives, you know, like yes. we got you for 90 minutes, you know Let's what I mean? And you're not paying attention to anything other than this conversation. So <laughs> it really gives us a chance to like yes. get into some of that deeper stuff yep. and like pull away, like get to more t- towards the core of, of yes. who they are and what they're about. And um, you know, this episode was no different. Yep. So this was really good. Yeah. Um, you know, thanks again for watching everyone. You yes. know, uh, typically we coming. like to uh, recognize everyone who was live here, but as you know, we're not live, so that's not going to happen. Yeah, and we're missing you guys right now. I'm sure we're in chat. Hopefully, we're actually. Um, yeah, I'll be. I'll definitely be in chat. I know you're going to be traveling Disneyland. a little bit. Yeah, and then next week we'll also have a pre-recorded episode because we will be at the Virtual Athletics League event. Uh, the new reality VR expo up in Salt Lake City, Utah, yep. which by the way, you can still purchase tickets and use the code between realities to receive 50% off your entry. That's huge. Boom. If you don't know what we're talking about, mm-hmm. watch the episode from last week yeah. when we had um, two people from the Val team on our show yep. to like dive into what the new a- event and expo is all about. And yep. um, that's where we're going to be next yep. week. We'll be there. This time. Yep. Um, but uh, I guess, I guess that's really it. Um, it. You know, we have, a, they're going to continue continue to leave everyone in the in the we are we have we have two guests scheduled for next week and one of them would not a thousand percent positive yet that they're going to make it so we want to kind of keep it you know but keep keep an eye on our twitter keep an eye on our social media and uh, we will reveal that as soon as we get that 100 percent confirmation so yeah or not and you just tune in and watch it then it's gonna be awesome not a big deal it's always great exactly (laughs) it is always great here on the best podcast ever the between realities vr podcast the best podcast ever i like that's the that's our tagline (laughs) okay well that's that um thank you again everyone who uh is here watching the premiere thank you if you're watching an upload thank you if you're listening on anchor or one of the other audio platforms um thank you to our patreons and our channel members we love you dearly it means so much to us and um you know let us know what you want to everyone that subscribed just thank you too. Oh, subscribe if you yeah. haven't. Man, we gotta tell people to subscribe more often. I know we never do. Whatever. Yeah. All right, that's that. Okay. Enjoy your weekend, everyone. See you All next right. week. Bye bye.